Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Marty, are you ready? I am, George. Excellent. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Marty Constant is a workplace futurist. She's the founder of the Agile Careerist Project, the CEO and founder of Constant Change, and the author of Activate Your Agile Career, How Responding to Change Will Inspire Your Life's Work. Excited to have you on. Marty, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Well, thanks for uh, having me on the show, George. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to chat with you. And to get right into the question, uh, a little bit about me is there's probably two interesting things about me that determined why I do what I do today and why I am the way that I am. And it's things that I discovered very early on. Two things. One is I discovered that I was always a creative and that I I could see things and frame things out in a way that were instructive for me for learning, but I could look at things in different ways and I would ponder it in that way. And I, I did art and design for quite some time before moving into business. And the second thing that happened to me happened when I was 12, and this was the reason why I'm so engaged with ideas like mobility and being active. And it's that I was totally immobilized at the age of 12 for three and a half years. Oh my gosh. With a brace, hmm. a body brace. I had, uh, like they call it scoliosis, curvature of the spine. And it was necessary for me to wear that brace while I grew a couple inches. And it changed my life in some very difficult ways. I wasn't able, I was heading into high school at that point, 13 years old, and really didn't have the opportunity to do the physical things that I had been doing, all the acrobatics and and movement. And I was a swimmer and just the things that really I cherished so much. It also changed my social life pretty dramatically. But what I did during those three and a half years, I have gone back to over and over again in my life as the time when I determined that once I did get out of that brace, I was going to make use of my time in a very fun and productive way. And there wasn't anything that was going to stop me from doing it. It was a mindset that happened during that time. And it wasn't all good. During that time, I was sad and a little bit isolated, but I figured it out, uh, studied, did really well to get into good colleges and was able to navigate the rest of my 
college career and uh, the the last part of my high school career unencumbered by something that uh, made me immobile. I imagine that was a, a very, very transformative experience. And, you know, you're, you're as you're talking, you're talking about some very good, but some very bad. I mean, what a tough time for for any young person to, to have to go through that. So I, I, I have to imagine that that's that, that that had a really profound impact. So how do you how do you remind yourself of that or how, how have you reminded yourself of that over the years or, or is, has, has it been pretty easy to keep that mindset forth uh, top of mind? It's it's been a natural thing for me because it happened so young. And what I um, realized, and a lot of these things become more clear in retrospect, so it wasn't that I was a highly enlightened 13-year-old. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like you just, you do what you have to do to, to, be, to become resilient. And resilience became, you know, part of my fiber uh, at a pretty early age, even though I didn't intend for it to be so. Um, and it it really, uh, when I did, you know, get the brace off, I became a lifeguard. I became a runner. I became a marathoner. I you know, hike mountains. Uh, I do a lot of different things that make me active and very imp- appreciative of that. But it's not just that. It's also the mental agility, which is why I became so fascinated with the topic that I focus on right now. I originally started out my career or my schooling in design. So I was a pure creative and then worked in the area of design in communications within corporations and then navigated, got really curious about business and marketing, went back to school, got an MBA and figured out how to manage business, grow business, and got very intrigued by being successful in business. Had a you know, design and communications firm for 10 years, and then with the MBA, got back into the corporate side. I wanted to see what they knew because I had started my business out so young. And so you jumped back in the corporate pool and you realized, oh, this is awful. I need to get out. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some truth to that, although I think the, the most awful part of work for me early on was just having to do the same commute every day mm. and not having the flexibility. You know, now we can do remote work and there's flexibility and there's the alternative workforce and there's all kinds of options for us. But when I first started, it was you pretty much showed up at a company and worked. And in my field, in a creative field, it was never nine to five. It was always start early and stay late and come in on the weekends to to catch up. Creative fields are just known for that because the work is never done. Got it. I appreciate that. So as a, a workplace futurist um, and talking about agile careers, can, can you give me a little bit of, little, little bit of background on, on what that really means? Yeah. So the context for that, really, there's always a story that goes behind it. But 
I worked side by side with software developers in my career. So I was on the creative side and then the marketing side eventually. But I was working to create products and deliver products with software developers and uncovered what I thought was quite a fascinating process, which which was a process called the Agile Software Development Process. It was formalized back in the year 2000, but existed before then. And I was curious how they got their work done. When I had first started in tech, you know, places like Microsoft, they, they, they would have these big launches and then they would work on the bugs for the next year or two to, to iron everything out. And then as I grew in my career, I realized with the software developers that they uncovered this idea of fast iterations, collaborating with one another, doing prototypes, getting feedback, and iterating their products in such a way that they were much more useful to us because they attended to our needs. And we weren't dealing with a bunch of bugs. They usually started out with less features then more features, and then they would be added on as needed. Got it. I think that, that certainly makes sense. So, you are you're you are helping people to 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 navigate the the changing way that that we work, our our our, our the, the the dynamic situation of what careers are today. Yes, uh, and that's that's correct. And just to, to add to that story, how I made the link or the jump from understanding how agility works in a software development process, I was on a plane uh, back in about 2011 and I thought, why couldn't we apply these types of, this type of thinking to one's own career navigation? Because it just made sense to me. So I looked at the principles and the values that were created in the software development manifesto, which are published, and studied those for quite some time, created a research project. I interviewed 120 people. I commissioned third-party research. I commissioned a, a survey research by a company that helped me vet some of the considerations that people go through. I didn't want this to be a book about opinions. I didn't want this to be my opinion. I wanted it to be something that was solid and that I observed how people, how successful people that enjoyed their career or when they didn't enjoy it, figure out how to get out of it and navigate to the next rung. Or if they didn't like their current post in their corporation, they could navigate successfully within the organization. So these are the people that I interviewed and created the career agility model that summarized how this was done. And that's how the principles were created. The, the benchmark was the software development process, but what it became was a function of the research. Got it. Well, that certainly makes sense. So what, what are some of those principles? Yeah, so one of the, uh, the most obvious ones is responding to change. That if you want to be successful in your career, it's important that you notice what's going on. Notice the trends, 
if you're in an industry that is waning and not growing, it's going to be time for you to upskill or reskill or reinvent. And it's not that you have to leave industries. It's not even that you have to leave your current organization. But if your industry is is on the collapse, if you're monitoring the trends, you're going to be privy to that and you're going to be doing things on the side to fortify your education, which is another principle. It's pursuing things in parallel. So responding to change is a mindset of being self-aware of what's going on with you and your colleagues and your boss and your organization, and then looking at the external market and saying, how does this affect me? A good example of that is technology. 10 years ago, if you started looking at everything that you're doing and add the word tech to it, you were going to be in good shape. (laughs) Right. Right. So 20 years ago, we didn't have MarTech. We didn't have EdTech. We didn't have FinTech. But starting 10 years ago, we did. They didn't, weren't, really, weren't calling it that. I, I was in marketing at the time, and I remember thinking, you know, I have to figure out, you know, I never signed on to the marketing role as being a technologist, but I knew that being a technologist was going to be the only way that I was going to be successful and that I was going to be able to manage teams of smart data technologists and marketing technologists to get my work done. So that's the, that's the the way of responding to change is integrating that which you see into that, which you're going to do, because what you did yesterday isn't, going to make you successful tomorrow parts of it will be but not all of it i can certainly you uh you 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 mentioned fintech and that's you know financial technology which is the world that i live in and without question if 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 i just had kept doing things and if i keep doing things the way that i do them today even um i I will be obsolete and the industry will roll right over me so I think that that's so accurate, and it's probably true in, to your point, really every different industry. So, yeah. So that's and it's your your fintech is a, is a really good example of that. Even the consumers that are investors have to be mindful of that as well. They have to be current. You have to figure out how to make the technology work for you. So not just the service providers, but those that are using the services. We're using Skype today. We have to know how to use Skype and Zoom. We can't just say, oh, let's just use the telephone because that's just not how business is done these days. So it, it's 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 a mindset, it's an identity, it's probably... It, like anything else in life, it's it's it, it's a daily practice. Just like these, it, it always stayed with you. Being immobile, having that mindset of this is you know I'm going to work to make sure that I'm always always able to make proactive decisions. Exactly, being I call it being in the driver's seat or or taking action, being in control. We always have surprises, but the only way to manage uncertainty is to do things like have plan B's, pursue projects and interests on the side to make you more relevant in your work. You can pursue 
education on the side, you can pursue habits on the side or um, like or, um, hobbies on the side. And a hobby, you know, like say if you're doing one thing and decide that I want to explore planets or I want to explore financial investing. Say I'm not an, not a financial person, but I want to explore this. Yeah. If I do these things on the side, it's going to broaden my network. So it's going to make me more interesting and it's going to open up opportunities in your current organization for other opportunities. I think that that's such, I think that's so important. And that's really the advice that I've been giving to a lot of young people that, that I have the opportunity to talk to or give advice to or whatever. It's, it's be working on something other than your school, whatever it might be, be learning, be and I, I'm a person that, that 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 went through high school and college and probably everything, not really using my brain to, to learn things. It was just you know studying to 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 pass tests. And so I encourage people now to to really be excited about learning. It might not be in your job, but find something that you are excited about and and, and really think about it. It's true. I I've observed people that I know that are homeschooling their kids or have homeschooled their kids and to see how they progress by the time they're 12 and 13 is just amazing. And then I look at what they've done. You know, they don't learn about Lewis and Clark by reading it in a book. They learn by going to St. Louis and going to the museums and navigating some of those same areas that Lewis and Clark did, you know, maybe just a small portion of it, but knowing what, what a riverbank looks like is so much more impactful than studying it in a book. And, and those people are, are and, and this, is, this is a good example for what we can all be doing. It's the learning of everyday life. I, I attended a learning event recently and the, the trend really is you know, we used to call it on-the-job training, but they still call it on-the-job training. But it, it is this iterative daily skilling and upskilling that is the nature of how we learn. Uh, it's called, uh, some of it's called micro-learning now as well. And that some of the uh, millennials and the Gen Zers are more uh, requesting of shorter bursts of learning. Clearly, the credentials that we get are going to be important, but the YouTube videos and the webinars and the things that we can do, they call it in the flow of work and out of the flow of work. So hmm. if we're taking uh, education on the side in the evening, that's out of the flow of work. If we're doing things during the course of our normal workday, say it's like a 15-minute segment or a half-hour segment during our workday, it's, it's activities in the flow of work. And a lot of things used to be only available in person. Now, so much is available online. And initially, when online learning first became a thing, it was a little bit more challenging and people still liked the face-to-face. But now, it's accepted, it's growing, and they took the E off of e-learning. It's no longer e-learning anymore. It is learning. It's what we do on, on a daily basis. It's that iterative component. And our brains are being wired as we speak on this. 
there's no two ways about it. I, I didn't realize that they removed the E from e-learning, but 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 it certainly makes sense. So there's so many resources, and obviously I don't need to to sing the praises of how innovation has brought any information and any form of learning and these massive online open courses and all that. So it's all at your fingertips, whatever you're interested in learning about. So appreciate that. Well, Marty, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My tip is when change is happening, don't do nothing. I think that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Come on. Change is happening. Don't do nothing. In fact, quite the opposite. (laughs) Sometimes it's a good thing to go with the flow. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Well, Marty, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? I am at martyconstant.com is the website. And the one of the best places to stay in touch with me is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm in a beta program right now for LinkedIn newsletters articles, and I just started about six weeks ago and got about a thousand subscribers, and it's growing. And uh, within the year, I imagine LinkedIn will roll out this program to the broader audience. So that's where a lot of the my body of work is being published at the moment in an iterative fashion. Perfect. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Marty your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to martyconstant.com. That's M-A-R-T-I-K-O-N-S-T-A-N-T.com. And also follow her on LinkedIn. Check out the the uh, the newsletter um, feature on LinkedIn. I'm sure it's pretty self-explanatory. For all those lifelong learners out there who stay on top of everything, which is obviously the listeners. Thank you again, Marty. George, it was awesome talking to you. Thanks so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.